Hello, good morning, good morning, welcome back. This is Candace with the Man and Candace podcast. Still in the beginning of season three, episode three. I am so excited that we have a good schedule coming. I am trying to pump out more episodes, but you know, mental illness. And speaking of mental illness, that is the theme of today's episode is mental illness. Well, my mental illness is not mental illness in general. This is not a scientific overview of studies and journals of the latest and greatest discoveries in the world of mental health. Because I can tell you that there has been zero, at least in the past, like, hmm, 20 years. Absolutely zero. Absolutely zero. The one thing that has increased is the amount of narcotics they're giving us. So let's just bring it back in. Um, Let me just share a couple things. Patreon will be up and running before May 15th. So it'll be a dollar subscription, a dollar a month, you guys. Help a bitch out. If I can just get all of us to donate a dollar, I am here all day. Who needs a 9 to 5? Like, that's the goal. So help support me. Help me push out more episodes. Help me get better quality content out for you guys. Help me get faster content out to you guys. And help me get some entertaining guests. Yes, this money is going to be used towards paying guests, uh, and so are my sponsorships. If you have a company, if you're local in Phoenix, or if you have a company that you want to be promoted from around the world, let me know. You can email me at crbanks.icloud.com, thepopartistmdmaq at gmail.com. You can also DM me on Instagram at mdmaq. Those are where I'm currently taking my messages because, guys, we all know I'm a one-woman show. So it's just like, as soon as I get my Spotify deal, I'm hiring a makeup, production crew, all that. So dollar Patreon subscriptions will be available by May 15th. So get your calendars marked up, dollar a month. So let's move on to the podcast. So today's episode is all about my mental illnesses. I have multiple diagnoses and I was diagnosed over the course of three years from 14 to 17. Um, And I've been on medication since I was 14. So just brief overview. Um, I was diagnosed with uh, major depressive disorder and general anxiety when I was 14 couple years down the road, I'm I'm diagnosed with bipolar disorder and major depressive disorder, not so much general anxiety. And then a little bit after that, I have ADHD, surprise, surprise. And a little bit after that, well, before that, but actually my first diagnosis was around seven years old with PTSD. So it's a shit show, right? It's a huge shit show. And I'm, I'm placed in a box with this mental illness, right? I, I'm stuck in a box with a maniac. So I like to put, I like to call my mental illness like a, like I like to, I don't like to think of it as like a monster anymore because that's like really, really, like really negative. Um, I just feel like maybe, I, I like, I choose not to see it as like a, like a ailment. Like, uh, like if you could visualize mental illness, like, Think about having to use a cane every day or think about having to use a wheelchair every day. Like, 
just because you don't see what's wrong with me doesn't mean that there's nothing wrong. There are things wrong with me, okay? They're inside my head. And I'm sorry you don't have any validation to verify that I am actually sick, but I am sick. So, and I'm going to be sick the rest of my life. And see, that's the thing that sucks about this. And the most frustrating part about it is, is like, I feel like I'm being gaslit by the pharmaceutical industry and the medical insurance industry and just the medical industry overall i feel like some of this stuff was made up i feel like the mind is very malleable and very absorbing of information and whatever you tell the mind it's going to believe so i i i really someone who is quote-unquote mentally ill i question the legitimacy of mental illness like is this something that i've been told that i have and therefore i am acting out what i think is happening because your mind does play tricks on you. Or am I just so cunning and charismatic that this, how I rationalize things is a sign of my mental illness. That is the frustrating part about mental illness. It's like, which came first, the chicken or the egg, the diagnosis or the illness? Which one came first? Make it make sense to me because when you go down to the root of the diagnosis, of the research, of the origins, of the early on stages of cases in the U.S. or in the world, we really don't know anything. It's a collection of observations ascribed to certain people, certain personalities. So is bipolar disorder just a personality type that is a nuisance to others? Because there's 300 million people and about 30 million live with bipolar disorder in the United States. And I'm one of those 30 million. Yay! So at any given moment, I am either depressed, numb, or manic. There's no normal for me. Because to me, normal feels numb. Like, being normal feels boring. It's extremely boring because it's like, when I'm depressed, like, it, it sucks, but it's not boring. Um... When I have way too much energy and I walk around like I'm Jim Carrey from The Mask, like I, I I get scared because it's like at that point, I can't control my behavior. I can't control my thought patterns. And like the results of me being manic are negative balances in my bank account in the thousands. I'm constantly asking for money to cover my ass of what I just spent. I'm constantly just frustrated with my behavior when I'm manic and it's like being bipolar is so frustrating because it's like you are in those three modes you're depressed numb or extremely manic there's no in between there's no I can't choose my own level to be at every day I mean I can but it comes at a cost sometimes I want to use drugs to the point where I I'm at a I'm at a good spot. Like when that's why I smoke weed a lot because I like being high because it's like the high is consistent, the high is the same. No matter if I'm depressed, manic, or numb, I'm always gonna feel that feeling. So I think that's why I love weed so much. But like with the treatment for bipolar disorder, and I'll get into the treatment. It's it's like no matter. You know, I could be on all types of pills to help with the symptoms. But if my bipolar wants to assert assert its dominance in my mind, 
it will it doesn't matter like if it wants to act up it'll act up it doesn't matter how long i've been on medication it doesn't matter how consistent i've been with my medication it doesn't matter if i've taken it every day on time the same dosage doesn't does not matter if my brain wants to be manic it's going to be manic and there's nothing i can do about that the best thing i can do is manic proof my home my phone and the way I eat, like the way I drive, like, yeah. And then all of the mix there is just PTSD. So it's like, I have many, many triggers of PTSD. And my PTSD comes from my child sexual abuse. There's one day, one night where that this, this whole different mental illness comes from. And like, it sucks because it's like every second hour, minute of the day, I get a flashback of being assaulted. And it could be like half a second doesn't have to be the whole event. I mean, when I was younger, it would be the whole event. I couldn't get through the day without crying for, like, years. Um, I couldn't, like, look at children for a long time because, like, I saw myself in those children and I just immediately pictured that child being violated sexually. And I couldn't walk around the world in school around my little brother and sister because I would just be heartbroken every time. Like, how could someone hurt a child? So I would just, I couldn't come to grips with that. So it's like every time I saw a child, it's like, boom, flashback, flashback, flashback. On top of the hourly flashbacks or the flashbacks by the minute. It just depends on how active it is that day. But there was a long time, y'all, where... For years, I woke up and every morning, that was my first thought. Um, I had nightmares a lot. I replayed that event in my mind for years and, and for decades. And just to ask myself, what could have you, what could have you done to make it not happen? Why did you, why did you just lay there? Why did you wear that shirt? Why did you go out that night? Why why did you why didn't you just stay home? Like I I I replay that night in my mind every single day and I ask my 6-year-old self these hard questions. Like I'm sorry, you were 6. And I don't know if you can hear it in my voice, but I am crying because like talking about it triggers the PTSD and like here I am. It happened 21 years ago, but here I am. There's no cure for this. There's no pill I can take. There's no amount of therapy I can take. There's nothing. There is nothing for PTSD. There's absolutely nothing. What what am I going to do? Go in my mind and delete memories? That's the only thing that's going to help. My major depressive disorder diagnosis, I kind of question because it's like it really ties into my bipolar. But now that I'm in a current mania, I don't feel any depression. But like that crash is coming. It it sucks, you guys. It really, really sucks. Um, But the major depressive disorder, it's like I could be depressed all year. For like a couple of years and then I'll be fine for like two months and then like 
boom, it's the holidays. I'm depressed again. And then it's like, I'm depressed about being depressed. And then I'm depressed about me not doing things while I was depressed, like cleaning the house, making a podcast, doing art, taking care of myself, going to the gym, eating right, losing weight. Like all those things that don't happen because you're depressed causes more depression for me. So it's just like a never ending cycle of just depression. When I first figured out I was dealing with depression, I was so scared. I was on WebMD every day. I was really, really young. I was like, I was really young, but I started noticing that my hair was falling out a lot. Um, and I was really frustrated with the fact that I was feeling sad with with no events. Like to me, like there always had to be an, a preceding event to why you're sad. And I didn't, it didn't click to me that depression does not require an event to be sad, doesn't require a reason to be sad. You feel sad for no reason. And it's the, it's the imbalances of chemicals in your brain. And it's so frustrating. It's so frustrating and nothing makes you feel more less human than being told that you're broken because the chemicals in your brain are not right. Like you feel like a machine, you feel like a robot, you feel like a toy. And it's the most frustrating thing because you're, you're just like, well, do I have an on and off button? Can someone come in? Can a mechanic just come in here and rewire things? And technically, yeah, that's what could happen. But we don't have the technology or the knowledge to do that. We probably do, but it would cure everyone. And that means no more money for the fucking medical companies. Like, I, I, I. I don't know why we all got to deal with something, but it's like, I hate to say this, but I'd rather have mental illness than fucking diabetes. That was really mean. I'm sorry. So frustrating, guys. I just got done filling out another patient intake form and signed consent forms for a new psychiatric office. And I'm so scared because it's like after 2020, after my first manic, my real full-blown mania, and I'll talk about that a little later on in this episode, but after I went through my full manic episode when I was 24... Um, the hospitals I was in, I was in the psychiatric ward. So all the doctors were like a team of psychiatrists and, and psychotherapists and, and, and nutritionists and things like that. And, um, after I got out of the unit, they gave me all of these prescriptions for like maintenance medicine. And it's like, before I went to the, into the hospital, I was with a psychiatric program, nurse practitioner, doctor, psycho- a whole shebang, but it was for youth. Like it was catered towards youth. And I've been at that center for youth since I was 14. So 14 to 24, I'm in there like swimwear. Boom, I get a full manic episode. And then I 
um, I'm in the wards. I come out of the wards. I'm placed on court-ordered treatment, so I have to go to a specific clinic. So I stopped going to that psych center that I was at. Plus, by the time I'm done with that court-ordered treatment, I have, I'm like aged out to go back to that youth psychiatric center. So I had to make it my responsibility to find a new psychiatrist, but I did it. I just found a family doctor. And they were writing me prescriptions. So I was just like, okay. Until like my manic episode started to come back. And then the, this this is this is the frustrating part about having bipolar disorder is just coming to a place of acceptance. Of course, it would have made sense for me to just get with the psychiatrist after the court order treatment. I mean, the court order treatment was for a year. And it's just like, you have to understand, you guys, like this. For people who are mentally ill, at least for me, I'm just being myself. I don't know any other version of me. I don't know any other type. Like, to me, I'm normal. Like, I wouldn't think for one second something was wrong with me unless someone said, like, a doctor said something. Or, like, my somebody said something. I truly don't believe nothing is wrong with me. I feel like... What's wrong with me is the world and their fucking opinions. But then me saying that is the disease, right? This is what's frustrating. I am a smart person, okay? I'm very smart. I have very great intuition. So, like, if I feel like I'm just being gaslit by medical jargon then I'm probably right. But I'll never know. They just want you to keep going and feeding the milk. Because at the end of the day, you guys, it's all about pills. It's all about medication. It's all about keeping you sick just enough so you survive, but not enough to let go of the doctors and the pills. These pills aren't meant to cure. They're meant to keep you at a certain level. So you keep having to use them. These pills, they keep me just right above insanity. So that if I miss a doctor's appointment, if I miss one day's worth of meds, I'm going to lose my fucking mind. See, it doesn't, it doesn't have to be that way. It really doesn't. You're telling me we have electric cars. We're sending motherfuckers to space just for fun. We have nuclear weapons and, and, and you and China and the U.S. are spying on everybody. And you're telling me that we have no cures for things like cancer and, 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 and mental illness and diabetes. You're telling me that there's no advances in the... Me- you're telling me there's nothing. You guys, there's 8 billion people on the earth. There's so much money going around. Like, there's so much corruption. There's so much fucking rape of children. Like, there's so much going on. You think that there's no cure for all these diseases we have. They're trying to make more money. I never used to think that. I, used, I always used to be like, that's a big conspiracy. But here I am, 13 years later, every single month, I have to go fill my antidepressants, my anti-anxiety, my mood stabilizer, my fucking 
ADHD medication. I take so many pills. I take like seven, five to seven pills, no, seven to 12 pills a day. Oh, and I forgot my sleeping medication. Like bipolar is like the best disease to come up with to like drain somebody of all their resources. Not only are they draining my insurance company, they're draining like my livelihood. Like I, I, like swallowing all these pills cannot be healthy. And what, I'm supposed to be on these pills the rest of my fucking life? You're telling me that there's there's nothing better to do? And this is what frustrates me, you guys. It's like there's so many options for medication for certain things, right? Let's break it down. So like for my antidepressants, there's all kinds of options. Let's just name a few antidepressants. So there's Zoloft, there's Prozac, there's Wellbutrin, there is... There's other things. And my whole life has been Wellbutrin. And, like, it's fine, whatever, but, like, I really question, like, why? Every single clinic, different clinic I've been to, and, yes, they have access to, like, my previous medications, but they automatically just go to Wellbutrin. And they want to try to skip on my Adderall because supposedly Wellbutrin helps with ADHD. No, it fucking doesn't. No, it doesn't. So it's, like, I don't know how many doctor's offices are in bed with the with the company that made Wellbutrin? Bupropion is the brand name. I don't know what kind of money. I, I don't know if Bupropion paid for people's medical school or whatever. But the, like certain medications, you guys, are pushed more than others. And it's really weird. It's really really weird and like the psychiatric the 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 pharmaceutical companies who make these pills they have a monopoly on certain diseases like why is there only like two treatments two different like well let's say for adhd right that is a highly profitable prescription to give someone not only for people who are legitimate but for people who are faking it um it's highly profitable and you have to you have to see a doctor every month. So if you're a doctor and you're in private practice and you have 1500 patients a month, they're all coming to you with a $50 copay, okay? Just for you to sit with them for 5 minutes and sign your name. They go to the doctor, they get what they want, they make another appointment because they have to because it's a narcotic. So it's like every month they're getting all this money as a as a as a doctor. So it's like why would you not just push out these prescriptions? And it's just, it's just really it's just really odd. It's really odd to me that um, Ritalin, Wellbutrin, Adderall, and Vyvanse are like the only four medications you can get for ADHD. Why, out of all the antidepressant medication, is Wellbutrin like the most pushed? Why out of all the anti-anxiety meds, people want to put sertraline instead of like things that actually work like Klonopin or Xanax? It's just like, but, uh, but at the same time for people with pain and back pain, they're ready to ruin their lives with an opiate prescription. I Just make it make sense, you guys. Just make it fucking make sense. And just... <sighs> Being sick and being mentally ill is just so expensive. It's so expensive. 
All right, so my one of my other diagnoses besides the ADHD. Well, the thing with the ADHD is like I feel like uh, I said this before in a previous podcast. I feel like I caused that one myself. I feel like there's something to be said about growing up with music in your ears. 12 hours of the day. I think there's something to be said watching television all day after school. I think there's something to be said with social media being first introduced to my generation and how that affects the brain, the attention span. And now that we've evolved to things like TikTok and short videos and reels what is that doing to our brain because like let me tell you something when i was in elementary school middle school high school i didn't have an attention problem i had zero attention problems even after high school when i was using drugs i mean during high school i had zero attention problems my grades would give you no indication that i had any problems with attention I was always straight A's, always straight A's. And if I had like a D or a C, you could come to me and I can explain to you thoroughly why I had a D and a C. And and, and I can remember the the only D I had in school was typing class with Mrs. White because I wouldn't type correctly, whatever correctly means. Um, So she failed me and like I got a D. Like the only reason why I got a D, that's besides the point. That's besides the fucking point. The point is, I didn't have an attention disorder. It wasn't until I got to college and everyone around me was like smarter than I was. And I'm like, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Didn't we have the same education that I find out that Arizona is like 49 out of 50 of a public education. And then I took a step back and I'm like, oh, my advanced classes was regular classes in the east coast so i think i'm smart i'm like way behind so here i am i'm a business major there's classes like computer information sciences like there's all types of shit and i'm forced to do the impossible and some kid gave me adderall one night and like the rest is history so uh, do, do i believe adhd exists i think initially yeah, there was a there was a legitimate concern, but I think that just through advances in technology, um, it probably put a spotlight on it even more. Maybe aggravated it even more. I don't think it causes causes it. I just feel like it could. It I feel like technology technological advances have definitely mimicked the conditions for people to be diagnosed with ADHD. But I feel like people who don't have ADHD that are medicated for ADHD, the medication is quite detrimental to their health and their productivity, which is what it's supposed to be used for. But I feel like in people who don't have ADHD, it damages their productivity, the, the medication, the stimulants. Really quick, guys, I just want to pivot to the time where I got into my first full-blown manic episode. So it's 2020, well, it's 2019, December 2019, and, um, you know, there's rumors of a virus in China that is 
infecting people by the thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, and it's on its way over here to the U.S. So, you know, um, that, what we didn't know then was that that was a going to be a global pandemic that we're still in two years later. So, um, I consider COVID-19 to be a worldwide event, a global event, something that affected the entire world. Um, and I didn't know a thing about manic episodes. See, this is a frustrating part. It's like they, the doctors and the, and the, and the, and the therapists, they expect you to do your own research as a, as a child, as a patient, as a patient that's mentally ill, they expect you to do your own research. It's just, it just mind boggles me. And then they wonder why I don't do any research. I'm like, I'm fucking bipolar. You think I'm going to do research? <laughs> like, I just, I, 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 it baffles me, but like, I, here we are. Like, apparently a manic episode comes around the age 25 doesn't really show itself in the teen years, in the um, early 20s, but like around age 25 is when you start getting your full-blown manic episode. Nobody could could have prepared me for what the fuck was coming. I mean, they could have, but they chose not to, which was really frustrating. So what happened was I didn't know that a worldwide event was going to be my trigger. So boom, it happens. It's declared in in I think around March it was declared like okay, like lockdown, everybody get a mask, da da da. But like the last week of February and the early onset of March I, of 2020, I was like warning my job. I was like, "Hey, you know, I am not feeling well. Like I really don't know what's wrong with me." But I'm, I'm really, I'm emo- I'm too depressed and, like, emotionally exhausted to, like, continue working. Like, I tried to get, like, a short-term disability because I signed up for those benefits, but they didn't want to give it to me. But my dumbass went through HR. So I, I didn't know how any of this worked. So, like, I, I got really frustrated and, like, I I didn't quit, but I, I, I worded my email to, like, from this point, I can no longer continue working. Well, I didn't say I was fired. Well, I was quitting. But basically, they were not trying to give me any type of benefit. They wouldn't even give me information on how to call the third party that was providing the benefits. Like, it was so shady. It was to the point where they ended up paying for all my emergency rooms and psych ward stays. Even though I didn't ask them to, even though my mom had her own insurance, they used it as like a backup insurance. Like it was really dumb. Um, and then before, and then like before, well, this, okay, this was the mania. Okay. This, what I'm going to, to describe is the mania. So it's like, I stopped paying my bills. All of a sudden I'm going on YouTube and I'm Googling the end of the world, the apocalypse, when is Jesus coming back, 666, the book of Revelations, the book of Enoch. I'm looking up all types of evangelist content, all types of end of the world content, all types of Illuminati's taking over the world content, all that type of shit, trying to connect dots that aren't there 
trying to tie everything back into the Christian faith of uh, when Jesus returns, his second coming, and the end of the world and Judgment Day. I thought all of that was happening. I thought all of it was coming true into fruition right before my eyes. And like I thought that I had a leg up with the Lord himself. I thought God was talking to me directly. I thought he was feeding me information that wasn't available to everyone else. I felt like I was Mary Magdalene. I felt like Jesus and I were going to get married. I felt like him and I were, were like the original two humans in the world and everyone else was just fake. You guys, I know I'm saying this like boom, 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 but it got, I don't know how I'm saying it, but like I, it's a podcast, it's recording, but like I, guys, this is very serious what I went through, okay? This pattern of thought is extremely dangerous. And like at the same time, I wasn't eating anything except donuts and iced coffee. So for weeks, I'm on donuts and iced coffee and Adderall and Xanax. Donuts, iced coffee, Adderall, Xanax. Donuts, iced coffee, Adderall, Xanax. And it's like, I wasn't taking my antidepressants. I wasn't taking my mood stabilizer. I wasn't taking any sleeping medication. So it's like, all that, all that. And like, those medications weren't in my fucking pantry. I just chose not to take it. See, guys, for for a long time, for the whole time before this manic episode... Medication in my mind was optional because you guys, I know that's really reckless, but number one, I didn't have a grip on what I was really dealing with before the age of 24. I'm 26. So like, just kind of bear with me. So like, there's a huge immature childlike part of you. that's really innocent and just loves life and just wants to be happy and normal and seen and treated as such. There's a part of you that doesn't want to acknowledge that you're crazy there's a huge part of you that doesn't want to take the pills because if you take the pills then you're admitting that you're crazy you don't want to go to therapy because that means there's something wrong with you and it doesn't help that the whole world thinks your illness is a joke thinks that your illness is a fashion statement, thinks that your illness is something to gain popularity over online. It's, it's not. It's not fun. It's not worthy of praise. It's not being brave. It's not something fashionable. It's something that people stigmatize all the time. People stigmatize it so much that they're even refusing to go to the doctor to confirm what they already know. There's so much undiagnosed mental illness in this country. It's insane. And the entitlement of not having a diagnosis by choice, being able to turn around and and weaponize your quote-unquote normal mental state against everyone else who has a label. Like Like, for instance, let's take my mom. My mom has... In, in my opinion, she has mental illness that is undiagnosed, okay? And she will, she doesn't matter if I'm her daughter or not, she's the type of person who will never admit something is wrong with her, let alone something like a mental illness. So she sees mental illness as something that is extremely weak, something that you do to yourself, and a direct punishment from God. It's, it's so weird, you guys. It's so weird. And like, I, and she truly believes it's something satanic. So, and she truly believes it's something preventable. So, like, I just, like, I, it's really frustrating having a mom, like, who thinks that way. 
and won't go help for their own shit. So, like, basically, like, I believe she has anger issues. I believe she has trauma that she hasn't dealt with. Um, I believe she is depressed. So, like, um, um, and she might be a narcissist, but that, that's, that's neither here or there. It's just the fact that people weaponize their normalcy and that's what my mom does whether she intends to or not it's every day did you did you make an appointment did you take your medicine call me when you make an appointment let me know when your appointment is did you see your what did the doctor say did you go did you go pick up your medicine and i'm just like you need to just back off because that's just like the people in your family are the worst people to be around or to talk about your mental illness with because they they I feel like my mom feels like it's a reflection of her parenting. Why I am the way I am. Which is extremely selfish. It's like with my mental illness, my mom has managed to make everything about her. Oh, you can't be sick because I can't deal with it. Oh, you can't you can't do this to me again. I'm not going through this again. I have PTSD from you. It's like What? So I hate coming to her for things. But she's like my support financially. And, you know, she's my mom. So it's like I kind of have no choice. So in my in my full-blown manic episode, it's like, boom, I, I lost my job. I'm not paying my bills. I'm spending money on... Like, I think I went to Forever 21 and spent $300. I went to Ulta and spent, like, 1000 I spent... I, I... I... I bought a lot of shit. I went to... Oh, my God. I don't even want to know. I can't even begin. I, I went to a hotel. I bought a plane ticket to Vegas. Like, I just... I bought a lot of weed, I bought a lot of clothes, and like, it was just bad. It was really, really bad. And like, I was having sex, not with a lot of people, but like, with just, just very risky sex. And like, I, I, bought a, I bought a carton of cigarettes. Oh, my stimulus bill, the $1,200 check or whatever, I went to the art store and spent every fucking dime. Just to throw it all away. And I was in a studio apartment in Sunny Slope. And like all my neighbors were like concerned about me. Like is she gonna kill herself? Like she's fucking crazy. I was like burning shit. Like I I tore out every page of the Bible and burned it on the stove. I put the stove on high. The flat top. I put it on high and ripped out each page of the Bible one by one and watched it burn. And then I had a really good painting of Northwest and I just fucked it up. I scraped all the paint off. What did Northwest do to me? And like, I... I had this whole conspiracy in my mind about... rich people, how they're all in on it. In on on what? I don't know. I don't know what exactly. I felt like I was going through a QAnon episode before I even knew there was a QAnon. (laughs) 
I thought that my favorite singer, Villavala, was sending me messages through my body. And like, it was, it was, it was insane, you guys. It was insane. Fast forward one day, I am just off the fucking rails. I don't know which way is up. Like the night before I was driving my car, which had a spare spare tire on it i drove it through tempe for some reason for no reason at all i come back i get pulled over the cop thinks that i'm i'm freaking the cop out because he's like trying to see if i'm drunk or what i'm just crazy and he tells me to park my car and to call an uber so i called an uber and left my car there like a fucking idiot and like i fucking like uh that night i well okay that day, I was at Sky Harbor Airport throwing away all my belongings because I thought I was going to Vegas. And so during that bit, I threw away my car keys, which had my house keys on them. I threw them away. And then um, I fucking, like, I threw them away and I couldn't get in my apartment. Since I couldn't get my apartment, I didn't have any keys. I didn't have a charger for my phone. Oh, I broke my phone at the airport. Yeah, I broke it. I broke it in half. Brand new iPhone 11 Pro Max. I broke it in half. And like, I, um, the point you guys was, even though I'm not making any sense at this point, I just, my mind was the world's ending. Everything's going to be gone. Everything's going to be taken away. Why do you need this? Like, I, th- I thought it was, like, imminent, like, in the next, like, five hours or something. I thought, like, the whole entire planet was just going to blow up. Um, so when you think like that, you move differently, obviously. And, like, my neighbors were tweakers, and they were trying to help me break into my home. And then I, there is a point, there is, like, a peak of sanity that just sh- showed itself flickered itself in my mind and I had a moment of clarity I was like you need to walk to the hospital down the street you need to have someone call 911 and you need to go to the hospital I don't know what they're gonna do to you but you need to go to the hospital so like I I walked to the nearest ER which was like a 10 minute walk from where I lived and I had someone I had, a, I had someone who was checking people in for COVID. Like, I had them call the police. The police came. I told them, I was like, hey, guys, I don't know what's wrong with me, but something isn't right. I don't have this. I don't have that. I gave it away. I'm like, is there a place that you can take me that's going to help me? Like, so they didn't take me to jail. They took me to a place called Recovery Innovations. And that facility is a godsend. Like, they knew exactly what was wrong with me. They took me in, they gave me socks, <laughs> they gave they told me to change my clothes, they they got my insurance, they called my mom, there was a 24-hour doctor, I was in front of a psychiatrist within 20 minutes over the computer, they were able to diagnose me, they were able to give me medicine from the nursing station, so all I had to do was relax. They gave me lemonade and and goldfish and there was movies on 24-7 and there was crayons and there was a phone to use and there were beds and there was full full meals three times a day. It was it was it was really awesome at first, but nothing could have anticipated me for being in the hospital for months. I was in there for months. I went from recovery innovations 
to the psych ward at Maryville, to an all-women's facility at West Valley Hospital, all the way home, and then back into recovery innovations, and then back home. But over that, and then like I had to live with my mom, and like my mom was really frustrated, and like she had to take off like five months of work. She had to take. She had to raise me again. Like my brain, my cognitive abilities went from a adult to like a fifteen year old. I was on all types of antipsychotics. I gained eighty pounds. Like, no, I gained, I gained 60 pounds, not 80. I gained 60 pounds, and, like, I just, all the, all the cuteness, all the weight loss that I, I, I got for myself just went completely down the drain because of antipsychotics, and, like, a lot of this could have been avoided if I was warned about the age 25, if I did my own research, if I... They don't teach you how to they don't teach you about these things when you're in psychotherapy. They don't they don't they don't do any of that shit at all. They just wanna push treatments that don't work on you. When I when I was in psychotherapy, they always wanted to be like, Oh, you do use EDMR, EDMR and I'm like, I use EDMR every day. Bilateral stimulation or what the fuck ever. You know what fucking doing homework and listening to music is? That's that's EDMR. That's what it is. But no, they want you to hold these little things like you're a Scientologist and listen to fucking beats on one side of your ear and then look at flashing lights and, and think of the memory and that's supposed to erase the memory somehow, which is fucking dumb, which is fucking stupid. Like, and then how effective is that treatment, EMDR, if, 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 the, psych, if the psychotherapists are telling you to go on YouTube and look up EDMR videos and use your headphones. So, oh, now it's something that I can go to YouTube for is supposed to cure PTSD. Are you bullshitting me? And why am I here? Why am I paying you? All of these quote-unquote mental health professionals, these behavioral health technicians, they are not qualified for shit. Someone who is mentally ill, they're hyper-aware about people's behavior and their capable and cognitive abilities. So it's just like, I can smell someone who's unqualified to deal with someone like me. I can smell it. One bit of weakness, I have no trust in you. You, you, you can't fix me. And that comes from years and years and years of bad therapists. Years of bad therapists. There was some therapists I had half a session and I'm like, I'm done with you. I'm not I'm not continuing. It's like you give anybody a psychology degree degree and this is what happens. <laughs> Remember like 10, 15 years ago, everyone was going to school for psychology. I was going to be one of those people, but then my doctor of 25 years was like, you do not want to study psychology. And I was like, all right, well, I trust you. So yeah, that was my first full-blown mania. And like right now, you guys, I am in a mania that I don't know if it's full-blown, but I am trying not to get there. I am 
thinking in terms of what's real and that's a good thing. Um, I'm not speculating on what ifs. I refuse to connect any dots. I refuse to look up anything religious or doomsday apocalypse type content. I refuse to look at any of that shit. I don't watch the news. I don't look up like how many people died or how many people got diagnosed today with COVID. I don't look up any of that shit. Um, because I have to protect myself. Because right now my mind is very sensitive. Like the end of the beginning of March, another worldwide event happened and it's the invasion of Ukraine from Russia. And like, I know those aren't like our home countries, but the fact that one wrong move on our part, trying to help someone could set off World War Three, which would be a nuclear war. So um, that threat became global pretty quickly. And I knew, I just knew, I'm like, you have days before you self-destruct. You have days. And like, you guys, this happened in March. I was already consistently for, for months, for almost a year, Every day, antidepressant. Every day, mood stabilizer, sleeping pill, Adderall, anti-anxiety when needed, like, every single day. On top of it, every single day. And then it's like, boom, the worldwide event. When you're set off, when you're triggered, there's literally nothing you can do from it, from preventing a manic episode. But like I said, I can baby-proof myself, my home. So what I've done is, like, number one, I told my doctors. I told my mom. I let my job know. Not really, but like, I didn't tell them like, hey, you know, I'm, I'm acting crazy. But like, I let them, I let the proper people know that I need some time off to deal with something very serious with my health. And um, so I was like, okay, talk to your doctors, adjust your medication. So let's do it. So like, you know, I, I took those steps and, you know, I was, I was prepared. Like I stopped eating certain things. Like I stopped, like I cut down on like how much technology use I'm doing at the night, at night. I started paying attention to like my sleep and like just, just all my behavior, just paying attention to it. I noticed that I was getting reckless, very sexually promiscuous, very irrational with my decisions. The more time I went without sleep, so I was like, okay, okay, okay. So you need more sleeping pills. So it's like, I need to get more sleeping pills. So I got a higher dosage. I, but still, but still, even with that higher dosage, I'm still fucking not sleeping. And it, with, with even taking off the Adderall, I'm still not sleeping. Cutting down on the technology, I'm still not sleeping. So I just was like, you know what? Like, this is it. This is it. Nothing I'm doing is working, but this is it. So like, I cut down on social media because I didn't want to show my irrationality like to the public so if you're wondering where I've been it's because I've been manic I'm trying to prevent a total slip through reality which counts as psychosis psychosis is a state of mind in which you can no longer distinguish what is real and what is not 
And that is a scary place to be because everyone is your enemy. Everyone is in on a secret except you. Everyone is against you. Everyone's trying to kill you. Like, it's, it's literally the scariest state of mind you could be in. And everything is so real. It's, it's so, it's so real. You feel like you're in a movie and you're, and you're predicting each next event. And you're the main character. And it, 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 it's beyond Truman Show. It's, it's like if someone combined the exorcism, the Truman Show, and made it into real life. Oh, and, and, and the first Matrix. Oh, and Resident Evil. Just insane. Just insane. But you know that song by Charles Barkley, Crazy, where he said, I remember when I lost my mind, there was something so special about that place. And that's very true. Someone is mentally ill, it's, it's easy for you to believe in things like magic and miracles. I think my perspective on the world has is heavily influenced by my mental illness. I tend to see the glass half full when the situation is pretty much glass half empty and vice versa. Um, I think my mental illness has taught me to see the good and bad in all things. I can always find the positive in everything, which is which is good. Um, it's really exhausting to feel feelings intensely all the time. I guess people appreciate that about me is that I, you know, I'm not afraid to cry. I'm not afraid to show affection. I'm not afraid to be vulnerable. I mean, I've had practice. I mean, when you, when you, when you're forced to talk to doctors from the age of six about your feelings and they're pumping you with medications at 14 and they're, and, 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 and then nothing's working. But can we all come to agreement that nothing we're doing, nothing we have done ever has ever worked? Why am I still on these pills? No, I'll wait. I'll wait. Does anyone want to answer? White House press secretary, would you like would you like to answer this question? I, yeah, you're not qualified. So it's like the good, the good, the good doctors, the good psychotherapists, they're all retiring and dying. And it's like we're left with these fucking community college certificate fucks in psychology who think they're qualified to tell me about myself. It's the blind leading the crazy. One who flew over the cuckoo's nest. That is me. You know, it is It is kind of cool. One thing I appreciate about mental illness, the only thing I appreciate about mental illness is the pass to use narcotics. I have a special pass to get hot. And not only do I have a special pass to get high, I have a special pass to get high and for it to get paid for 
by a different company and I have a pass to get high and no one can tell me about it and they all know I'm high. But I get to call it my medication. And it is, and it is. But I feel like I'm getting away with murder. And that feels fucking awesome. I'd be a liar if I didn't say that. Like, there's no there's no positive side to mental illness except that. Except I get to use proper amphetamine and proper benzo. I'm getting proper fucked up. Like, you guys can have your alcohol and your marijuana and your and your and your fentanyl. I'm fine over here. Okay? And on that note, we're gonna wrap up this podcast. Good morning, good afternoon, good night. Good evening. I will see you. Or I will stream with you. Be downloaded with you the rest of the week. At least once a day. But for the algorithm, for the sake of getting to our 1,000 download Manicanus podcast party, we're going to hit it. We're going to hit it. It's 9.05 a.m. in Phoenix, May 3rd, 2022. Let's get it. Have a good day, everyone. Quick little ending credits here. Like I said, dollar Patreon subscriptions will be available before May 15th, 2022. I don't know what number it's going to take for me to go on a tour, but I am going on a fucking tour. San Jose, Washington, Washington, D.C., Phoenix, Chicago. I'd say this fall, let's go on tour. Let's go on tour. Let's go on tour. It's the summer. It's the summer. Well, summer's right around the corner, but it's it's the summer, 2022. We're having a hot, a hot gender summer. All gender hot summer. We're having a hot summer. We've been cooped up for two years and we're, we're getting the fuck out. So thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading. Thank you for coming back. Thank you for sharing. I really appreciate it, you guys. All right, I, I'm really, I'm really out now. Okay, bye.